Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I'm Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source. I am joined by Nicole Vulcan, our editor. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper, celebrating this year our 25th anniversary. We're glad that you're taking some time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. That is what this podcast is for. Today, we are speaking with Mayor-elect Melanie Keebler. Melanie is Ben's next mayor, elected in 2022, having first served for two years as a Ben City Councilor. She is an attorney with a background as a prosecutor and victim's rights advocate. A Ben High grad, she grew up on the east side of Ben and has always been interested in civic leadership, starting with being elected to the Ben Student High School Student Council. Um, Melanie is excited to lead Bend into the future as our mayor. Uh, first, let's just start off with congratulations. It Thank you. Thanks a, so much. As all campaign trails are. It was uh, full of interest. Yes. How, uh, but before we jump into all that, uh, before we went hot mic, you were saying that uh, with the Christmas season upon us, you have a five-year-old and yes. looking forward to some good holiday stuff this season. Yeah, yeah. We just had our last council meeting for the year last night, so yeah. we have a little break here until our next one um, on January 4th and just looking forward to enjoying the holidays with family. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine there hasn't been a whole lot of that over the course of the campaign. Yeah, no, campaigning gets pretty intense, especially in the past, in the last two months, you know, October, yeah. November. Um, but that's part of this job is also, you know, balancing between sure. your, your work, your job and your family. So Yeah, it's one of those things that Nicole and I always... I think we contemplate all the time when we're talking about city council and city politics is, you know, as the community grows and these positions remain uh, basically volunteer, how does someone balance, you know, a career, a family, the civic engagement and stepping up now with the responsibilities of mayor? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's got to be a challenge. Yeah, I think um, that's one of the conversations I want to have in the next couple of years is looking at how to professionalize city council a little yeah. bit more so that people feel supported to run for that job, even if they have a, a lot of other pressures or family obligations, um, because it can be pretty hard to show up in community and to go to all the meetings and to do all the prep that you really want to do to be an excellent counselor um, or mayor um, if you still have to work a, a nine to five right. and get your health benefits and support your family. So what I think ends up happening is a lot of us, you know, I have some privilege of a partner who has a steady, well-paying job. You know, we've got a house. And so I have the freedom to do this, but not everybody has those same privileges. And we'd like more people to have the opportunity to, to do this work. So yeah. I think that's a conversation that's coming. Yeah, that's it's always great. interesting because it's like you, the same with Congress, you have to give yourself the raise or propose the raise right. that then, then other people will approve, I guess. And so... Um, very different than Congress, who I think they have more of a living wage than the Ben City Council. Right. Yeah. And and the process for us locally would be to appoint kind of a committee of, of citizens and residents to answer a couple questions for us and make a recommendation. Yeah. And then anything we decide would not go into effect till the next election. So we, we couldn't raise our own, but we could set a course for the future. Yeah. Well, now, now that you've uh, achieved at least an initial goal to become our next mayor. What are what are you looking forward to? What are some of your goals for the coming year? Yeah, I'm really excited to get into our goal setting process that we do every two years with a new council that comes on. Um, and I really want to focus on building this council together as a team that works well together with each other and with staff 
and that we set some real clear priorities and goals for the next couple of years. I think a lot of them are going to build on what we've been doing the past couple of years, and I'm excited about the progress we've made, but want to keep uh, moving forward and refining or redirecting as we need to from from what we did last time and keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, what does that look like for those who don't know, you know, when you're looking back at the goals, how do you kind of measure if you were successful or not? Yeah, we've been um, talking about that a lot and talked about that a lot the last couple of years of having a dashboard online that has each goal. You know, when we set some of our goals, we tried to put numbers on them, like we wanted a thousand new affordable units in the pipeline. We wanted 500 shelter beds. So we tried to put something that we could measure. Uh, And I think that's what we need to talk about again this time is how do we set priorities and goals and then how do we have actual performance indicators, you know, things that we can measure along the way so that we can adjust as we need to through the years. Just, um, you just threw out those numbers. How did you do on those two numbers? So we're, we've got 800 plus affordable units in the pipeline right now. And our, and our biennium actually starts in June and goes to the two years to June. So we're actually in the last kind of six months of the biennium. Um, And then I think we're at 400 plus or maybe close to 400 shelter beds total. Um, So, and I think we knew those were aspirational numbers, but we wanted to set a target we could aim for and really push ourselves to try to achieve it. Well, that's like a lot more than, than we've had in the past. So that's actually is pretty incredible to have achieved 450 beds. Yeah. I'm I'm not, I'll have to get you the exact number. Um, I know it's not to 500 yet, but I think one of our biggest accomplishments has been what's now known as the Lighthouse Navigation Center, which is our permanent emergency shelter, overnight emergency shelter that we then invested and got some state funds to make into a navigation center. And actually, we just hosted um, Speaker of the House Dan Rayfield here this week at a tour there. He was super impressed um, with all the successes and the challenges that they shared and how that's going. And it really is helping and making a difference. Yeah, I mean, I know one of the like next steps of that is like, okay, now how many do have we converted from having overnight shelter to permanent housing Mm -hmm. and those numbers are still pretty low so I suppose that's probably part of your goal setting as well absolutely yeah I think we came in as a council and I you know had a priority around can we just get the basic of having an overnight shelter year-round can we just get some of this navigation center stuff stood up now that we've sort of achieved that milestone I think we need to look to all the other parts of the housing spectrum and especially there are folks staying at that overnight shelter they have jobs they have incomes you know if there was a a cheap apartment for them, that's where they would go, Um, but there isn't. So that next step is a lot of what I think the focus needs to be on. Yeah, we want to get into more of the details about that and the fact that it's not just the city's job, but Mm -hmm. we have other things on the agenda first. Sure. (laughs) Priorities. Um, Yeah, I want to, so having a directly elected mayor is pretty new for Bend, and Um, you're only the second mayor to be in in this role in its modern iteration, as we're calling it. And this used, position used to be an honorific with agenda setting dues, which you know might be a thing. And you know you'd kiss babies and shake hands mm-hmm. over the course of your tenure. Do you think it's important to have a duly elected mayor? What what's that shift look like? What do you perceive that shift to be as you're coming in? Yeah, I, I do think it's important, and I'm I'm glad the voters made that change to the charter because. The mayor really is the leader of the council and in some ways a leader of the city and a voice for the city at a lot of different levels. And so I think it's important that voters kind of have a direct say in who that is. Um, And I really want to approach the role as um, a convener and a team builder, you know, with council between each other, but also with council and staff Um, and also having sort of that that vision to help move us through the goal setting process and then to keep us on track. 
um, and then just showing up in in community. I mean, some of that stuff is ceremonial stuff is important. You know, yeah. you know, coming to parades or coming to community events or um, I'm going to go visit a sixth grade class. You know, things like that um, are really important. I think to have visible leadership in the community and someone that can be an advocate here in town and then also up to the different other levels of government as well. How much do you feel in this position now? That um, I mean, one of the things I've been struck with is it gives a little bit of a sense of a mandate. I, I mean, I don't want to mm-hmm. push that too much. People always get elected and they're like, I got to, you know, I won by two votes and I got a mandate to change <laughs> the world. But um, but it does give you a sense of where the community is at when you have, I feel like, when you're when you're having two people run with, with different sets of values mm-hmm. or priorities. And um, and you do see who the community pushes forward as, as a winner. Did it, have you felt that? Yeah, I, I think so, especially since I've been serving for two years um, with a council that I'm pretty aligned with that set some, I kind of call it a sea change in our goal setting and our priorities from, sure. from councils prior. Um, and so we've we've tried some new things and stepped up in some new areas. And this last election was a chance for the voters to say kind of yay or nay to that. And so I think we did hear that that's the direction people want us to move. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's plenty of fair criticisms and other ideas that people have. And, you know, I'm always willing to work with anybody who really wants to find real solutions to our challenges, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Um, but I think that the voters, you know, had some some choice between some of those value sets and some of those ideas. And they said, hey, keep going, you know, with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, obviously, we're always looking at things like next door. And if you were on there, you might have assumed that this this council was on its way out. Right. They were going to be, you know, yeah. DOA. Mm-hmm. And that's just not really reality when mm-hmm. it comes down to voting, um, which is kind of fascinating, you know, to just see what the rhetoric is on a certain, you know, platform and how that pl- does or doesn't play out. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I will say, you know, in, in my campaign, you know, I had a social media presence, but, um, you know, for us, it was more about being on the ground, talking to people at their doors, um, getting getting ads onto places where people will see them, a wider, a wider um, group of people versus a Facebook ad, um, and making calls, you know, and actually just talking to people about what the values are that they support. And I think, too, I mean, a reality of our mail-in voting system, it's so convenient and easy, and a lot of people just sit down with their voter pamphlet and, yeah. and make their choices. So it's important to make sure your values are clearly stated there as well. But um, it's hard sometimes you can you can feel like, wow, this post got a lot of comments or a lot of likes mm-hmm. and it feels very real. But what I've experienced is like that. There's kind of two different realities. Yeah. Right? Online versus not. Oh, I yeah. think that's we spend a great deal of time looking through, you know, what's trending, what's buzzing, what, you know, what, what we're doing stories on, how they're playing. But, you know, especially in these last few elections, I feel like, you know, there has been a, a real difference between what you're hearing on those platforms and what, what the reality is at the voter box. And that's been fascinating. I mm-hmm. think it certainly played out this time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a good check for people who, you know, assign stories to others as well, <laughs> just mm-hmm. on a personal level. It's like, well, maybe we shouldn't always just be looking at what the you know, what the web numbers say, that's, that's mm-hmm. a piece of, definitely a piece of what anyone who lives in a digital space, um, you know, should pay attention to, but not the only thing, I guess, you know, yeah. the election is a good, um, 
reflection of that. Well, and I think, you know, your organization has certain kind of bedrock values and what you think is important for community reporting. And, and that's pretty similar to the council having some kind of bedrock values and still valuing very much talking to community members and hearing from people. But at the same time, at the end of the day, we don't just sort of count emails, yay and nay, and then make decisions based off that. Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. I mean, going back to, you know, we were talking about sort of the volunteer role of, of the mayor and the council mm-hmm. effectively. Uh, it's a servant leadership position with a very low stipend. But then you have historically, you know, in Bend, you have the city manager has been a big seat of power and mm-hmm. influence and garners a pretty big salary for mm-hmm. that full-time job, um, probably more than full-time. What does that relationship in your mind look like between you and the city manager going forward? Yeah, so the city manager is the, you know, one of the two employees that city council actually has the power to hire and fire. So, needs to be accountable to council and and goes through performance reviews. We just did his recently. Um, And for me, I I have a really good relationship with Eric King, our city manager. Um, I recently went to, got the opportunity to go to a training with a bunch of other mayors from around the country and came away from that feeling really lucky about how our city manager and our city (laughs) staff operate. Some people, you know, had some different experiences, but um, Eric's always open, very good communicator, um, very much wants to empower council to set goals and achieve them um, and understands that we're the policy board. You know, we set the direction of the city and he's a lot of the operations and execution um, and also, you know, advice. He's He's been in this position quite a long time, has a lot of historical knowledge um, and can help in that way as well. But um, I see that as a really close working relationship, especially between mayor and city manager as a lot of this agenda setting and planning for future events and future topics um, needs to be something that we work on together. Mm-hmm. So you see it, you know, just you're going to, it'll be a copacetic relationship going forward. Yeah, no, and- I, I, I feel really positive because we already, we've already got somewhat of a relationship from my work on council. Um, and, you know, Eric's very open to allowing us to interact with staff directly and, and get educated and get information and have questions answered. Um, he works with all, he's ready to check in with all of the council, not just the mayor. Um, so I think um, that the support that we feel from him is going to continue and going to be great at helping us achieve what we want to achieve. Yeah, I find he does an amazing job of uh, staying out of the limelight. You know, he's yes. uh, for as long as he's <laughs> been in uh in that position, you know, you don't find a lot of articles about, and I think that comes from him not being being collaborative, not not Absolutely. being as much, as proactive as a lot of the people in his position could be. I think yeah. in other cities, especially. Yeah, I think he sees the role, like I said, as sort of that empowering and support more than directing mm-hmm. as far as policy goes. And so I think, yeah, he works hard um, not to be the person that's driving the boat. That's, right. that's council's job. I mean, but you're, you know, the mayor is sort of the face of the city. Um, I don't know how to put this. Okay, when I when I arrive at the Redmond Airport, oh, I know what you're talking. You know, about. <laughs> you see the you see the video of uh-huh. of the mayor welcoming you to Redmond, and like you just really know, like, okay, that's the mayor of the town. Right. And we, I don't feel like we've had that in the past in Bend, where mm-hmm. you know it's just like you feel like this this face is visible to a great number of people. Do you see that changing? Do you do you want to be more of like a face out there on a screen? Can, well, we, can we call you uh, Melanie Endicott Kebler? No, no, you cannot. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. You cannot call me that. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I do. I do want to kind of step up that visibility in the community. Um, I I enjoy like being out in community, obviously, and I think it's important to have like people know who the mayor is and kind of who the leader is of the city um, for good or for bad. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I know that same moment coming into the airport and, um, you know, whatever we can do to help people access their government. A lot of it is just knowing who we are and then how accessible we are. This is a really great thing about Bend. Like you run into your mayor everywhere all around town, right? Like you can, your, your kids are in the same soccer class, right? So, um, and, and we're available and chat with people anytime. So I want to continue to up that, I think that visibility for the role. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is really just a comment more than a question, Mm but I'm thinking about after the shooting at Safeway Mm -hmm. and, you know, you and several others, you know, you convened or someone did. I don't want to attribute to you if it wasn't you, but um, you had a gathering Mm -hmm. and you were there and your face was there and you were expressing your you know, dismay about this thing. Mm -hmm. Not to say that the city council can really have a lot of legs to do anything about that situation, but it's kind of one of those things where a mayor needs to show up and say something. Right. And I guess that's just sort of an example of the things I'm thinking about that a mayor is, you know, where people look to their mayor. Yeah. In times of crisis, especially, it's important to have those, those points of leadership and, um, yeah, just to, to shout out, um, you know, Moms Demand Action and Morgan Schmidt helping to put that vigil together. And I did get feedback from that. They were like, thank, thank you. You know, thank you for being there. Thank you for what you said um, and kind of speaking what we were all feeling in that moment. And I think that is, you know, that is part of the role. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit more about the election, um, you know, for the second election in a row um, and knowing Ben's city's nonpartisan election, but there's been a growing progressive slate that's mm-hmm. that's been supported, and you know all indicators are that you know this this purple community is is leaning a little darker shade of of blue. Um, what does that mean for you as you come in as a mayor, and and what do you think it means for the future of uh, Bend politics? Yeah, I mean a lot of that just speaks to I think some of the core values of our community, which I think cross both sides and a lot of it has to do with why people live here which is our amazing outdoor amenities and our resources Um, and despite the growth in size and becoming 100,000 people still a little bit of that small town feel um, and that community connection and I think a lot of people really value that no matter which direction you think the city should go going forward Um, for me it just like I said it, it gives me hope that we're on the right track with what we've been doing the past couple of years I think we felt we had some of that mandate coming in yeah. a couple of years ago. And so we really went for it. Um, and then to see the voters say, yes, we, we want more of that is is great because then we can just really dig in and try to move forward on, on those values. You know, I think I think Ben can be a leader in a lot of different ways. I think we already are on, on things like housing policy, um, affordable housing, but things like climate action and transportation, transformation of our system. We can really be a leader, and, and we're kind of unique over here on our side of the mountains, all right. by ourselves, not part of a metro area. So we have a chance to kind of step out and show people how some cool new things can be done, and I'm excited about that. Great. Yeah, I mean, one thing that stuck with me during our endorsement process um, is when you said, um, you're just in favor of just trying things. Mm-hmm. And in the context of, you know, transportation, maybe this is loosely tied to transportation, but sure. just the pedestrian zone. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that, and that's when you brought that up, um, the notion of a pedestrian zone in downtown Bend. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think there's a will to do that? And what do we need to do to, to try it? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, 
to jump off of that, I'm excited if we could start by closing some of the side streets, maybe um, even temporarily, even for certain times of year. Um, if we could talk about, you know, let's try it during certain months of the summer and 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 not do it permanently immediately, but give a chance for people to experience what that would be like and for our downtown businesses to experience what that would be like. Something that's not an event, but it's focused on making the place better for everybody to access our local businesses that are down there. Um, and so I think working with the Downtown Bend Business Association and council and staff, um, I think we're kind of moving in that direction. Um, and I know there was some some nice designs that, that came out in a couple of years ago, just kind of like imagining visually what sure. it could look like. Yeah. I mean, that's important to inspire people. And I think there is a community will to, to try it. I think we have to we have to introduce it like that, like not that we're just changing everything all of a sudden, but that we're going to try a couple different things and see what works the best. So funny because people are so passionate about this one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great idea, you know, from the the sense of having more people, you know, accesses, accessing this space in lieu of cars. And then there's the other side that's very passionate about, they're very convinced that, Parking is, you know, every single space is in jeopardy and mm-hmm. they're worried about this. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine it would, in, regardless of whether it's temporary or not, is going to inspire a lot of passion. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I think that's right. But um, I think, you know, we have sort of this idea and maybe a little bit of community will to try something. And we have data from other places and other cities that show, you know, if you're adding bike lanes, you're, you're opening up pedestrian areas that can actually improve the little local economy and get more people into stores. So um, I think there's enough data and probably enough will out there to, to try something. Um, and then a lot of, in a lot of places, once you try it, people really like it. Yeah. And they don't want it to stop. So yeah. when you're, when you're referring to places, you know, some of these places where they have the pedestrian roads, it's always where you're like, oh, did you visit, you know, whatever it was, Boulder's Walk or Mm-hmm. Denver's, you know, pedestrian area. I mean, these are always places that people gather. I mean, one thing I think about the test method that's really great timing is that post-pandemic, I mean, community gathering mm-hmm. and the importance of finding places to get people off their screens, get them out of their houses, give them a place to come. It's like you said, even outside an event, just where they can mill about and see folks that they used to know. Um really high on people's importance right now we feel it in the event world and um you know it, it kind of lend gives you a little more leeway to go a little crazy yeah, with that stuff yeah. if you're on transportation twitter you know that this is a big you know mm-hmm. it's talked about a lot among a lot of other things um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, plug for transportation twitter yeah you, you know, know if you you want to <laughs> see what the cities of the future look like um i'm curious you know, I know you and the other counselors get a lot of email mm. and just a lot of correspondence in, in general. And um, what's something surprising that people give you feedback about that maybe the rest of us, like wonks who get press releases, don't know about? Oh, something surprising. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'm surprised anymore. Pe- people will write us about things that, that aren't that aren't our deal, right? That uh-huh. it's the Forest Service or it's the right. county or it's the school district or the parks. Um so that that happens from time to time. Um, I think, yeah, I, I guess I don't feel surprised by anything in my email anymore. Um, and I think it is surprising sometimes uh, there will there'll be some things that I expect a lot of input and we don't get much. And then mm-hmm. other things, oh, wow, there actually was a lot of emails mm-hmm. about this or that particular um, item. Um, 
So it, it can kind of ebb and flow. Um, one of the things, you know, kind of talking about professionalizing counsel that we have now is a, a part-time position that actually helps summarize our email for us and yeah. oh, um, can kind of give us a little report of like, hey, in the last couple of weeks, here's what people have been emailing about. Here are the topics. Here's how many emails, you know, hmm. um, and can also help us respond and close the loop because that's really important to me that people who are you who care enough to send an email um, about a maybe a controversial topic we probably should at least let you know what happened, right? Mm-hmm. If they're saying, we want you to do this or that, like for instance, home energy scores, we've gotten a lot of emails about that. And Claire, our, our, our staff person, helped just write an email at the end, like, hey, here's what actually happened, just so you know. you know, Here's what council did. So that people don't feel like they're just kind of shouting into the void. That's great. Right, and they actually get some information. And it was interesting, because she sent that out to everybody, and then we got some emails back that said, you know, I, I don't like that, too bad, and some that said, right. great, I love it. You know, So yeah. people could at least feel like they were interacting a little bit with with the staff. And well, the I've seen I've seen people posting up on Nextdoor after, you know, I, hey, I I emailed in and this is what they said and this mm-hmm. is my thought. It definitely has has started a dialogue. You can see that that process is actually probably encouraging more conversation, mm-hmm. inviting people to respond and reply and yeah, and great. a chance to give some information right. back too that sure. people might not find on their own. So. Well, I mean, you know, I, one thing I will appreciate about the city. Of Bend is that there is a lot of information about the public process. They're pretty good about communication around, okay, hey, there's going to be a public comment about Mm -hmm. this, or we want to get feedback about this. And, you know, from my desk, I see a lot of correspondence around that. And yet it seems like it must be frustrating for you all because sometimes you don't hear the feedback until after you've voted, you've done your second reading of something, and you're Mm. like, well, this is already done, and we gave Mm -hmm. you all these steps before Mm -hmm. to, to, um, to weigh in and now you're weighing in and you're mad at us but we right you know <laughs> yeah that's gotta that, be an interesting dynamic for you it's yeah it's just it's just kind of part of the job and and just continuing to make sure that we're doing as much notice as we can as early as we can um i think you know part of um my job being a liaison to a couple of different neighborhood associations um is helping helping them with that and they'll be like well what where's what's this project at in the pipeline and you know, I can at least point them to the right pro- procedures and where they're where they're going to get to weigh in, so that they're ready to do that at the right time and it's not too late. Yeah. Well, I know there was the um, you know City Club just did their um, forum on houselessness. Yeah, and, yeah, it was and, great. And I know you were there. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most fascinating things to me was how much misinformation there was about who's responsible for what and mm-hmm. what, you know, the, the county's role versus the city's role. And um, I was table captaining, and that was pretty much the entire dialogue. Luckily, I had um, two people from the city, but, you know, it was l- people getting, you know, in this mini microcosm talking about, like, well, the city needs to do more about this, this, and this, and then piping up, well, actually, that's not the city, that's the county. And, right, right. Um, you know, my takeaway was was how lucky to have that um, houseless liaison who's going to start helping you guys coordinate all mm-hmm. all of those activities and and potentially you know put out more information and dispel a lot of the stuff where it's all on the city. It's all your fault, and yeah, you, know, you need to fix it all. Well, I mean, I think one of the consequences of really stepping up in this area and leading in this area is then that attracts a lot of attention mm-hmm. and criticism, right? Um, because we're, we're doing something and then there's something to criticize. Um, and, you know, that can be kind of the reason that people don't make a decision on something because then they feel like they can't be criticized as much. But um, I'm really excited. I just actually had 
um, Coffee with Cheyenne Purrington, the, the yeah. ED of the Coordinated Houseless Response Office, um, the other day. And um, I think we're going to see some really good sort of system-wide evaluation and how do we get everything to work together? How do we find the funding to do that? How do we make sure we're not duplicating efforts and we're being efficient with the money we do get um, and that we're supporting our service providers to be able to do the work um, and having some real strategy about kind of what the next steps are to make a difference. Great. I'm always, you know, curious why the city is kind of the go-to for complaints and you sort of answered that. Like, do you think it's because the city's more visible? Even the county really has a bigger role in some things like, they run the health department. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of land. Mm-hmm. This this joint office, I believe, is a county role. Um, the ED's role is right. is fund is imp- she's in a county employee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you think it's just the visibility piece that that the city yeah. just? I think I think it's a lot of it. And you know, I don't know. I don't know how much feedback county commissioners get. Maybe they get way more emails than we do, um, or more calls. Not possible. Um, <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Um, you know, when you step up on something or you kind of get out in community more or you're more visible leaders, um, then, yeah, I think that just be, you become a little bit more of a lightning sure. rod. Um, and I think this problem is so complex. People just have a hard time wrapping their head around. And it would be much easier if it was just one entity's responsibility and job. Um, and, you know, it never feels good when you're like, well, I can't, you know, this is a county. To try to explain it is pretty difficult. But I think people are starting to get it, starting to get that, like, collaboration and coordination is uh-huh. really the only way to get moving forward on this issue. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for that for the future. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think that looks like in terms of just that, that, that role behind the scenes, the joint office Mm -hmm. role, like what, what are the nuts and bolts of what they are doing? I mean, because, you know, we did have, we've, we've had a cohort of people working on this issue for Mm -hmm. quite some time. Mm -hmm. Like what is the real like guts of what, that the job is going to entail? Yeah, I think um, one of the number one things is to have a concrete strategic plan for, you know, five-year plan um, that talks about the steps we're going to be taking in which parts of the system and how we're going to measure success. And um, Cheyenne's talked a lot about getting better data and having those measurement points to check in with. Um, I think some of the work she wants to do is zeroing in on some vulnerable populations like youth and families or veterans or folks with disabilities and try to really get resources around those subpopulations and try to really reduce those numbers instead of being overwhelmed by the the really large numbers of unsheltered people. Um, and I think some of it, too, is like logistically there's going to be some money coming from federal and, and state, hopefully, um, resources. Are we ready to receive that? Do our right. service providers have the capacity? Do our systems have the capacity to do that? And are we using what we have already as efficiently as possible? So I think there's a lot of that like kind of bigger strategic systems work that that is going to be a lot of behind the scenes um, that's so important to how we build for the future of addressing this issue. Yeah. Well, veering off into a, a different topic. Sure. Um, you know, there was there's been a lot of we kind of t- touched on this earlier about community gathering points, and there's been conversation for, oh my gosh, it's probably 20 years now about Heritage Square mm-hmm. and a gathering place like that. We've already touched a little bit on a Minnesota closure, and, and I know that that's controversial, but Heritage Square just seems kind of shelved, and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of dynamism right now in in the land around that and getting these. And the it's always been kind of a axiom that those entities haven't played very well together and requires like 
maybe an office of coordination mm-hmm. for something, mm-hmm. you know, as mighty a lift as that. But do you hear any more about it? I know Eric mm-hmm. King has always been a supporter. Um, yeah. And it seems like now's, you know, given people's love of, of gathering that it seems right for something like that. Yeah, I think the big opportunity that's going to come down there um, is going to be when we move City Hall. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's going to really open up that. I, I think that's when that conversation is going to revive and be like, what do we want to see in, in this area um, now that we're sort of out of that building and maybe someone else can come in and sure. do some redevelopment. Um, and so I'm really excited for the prospect of, of looking at moving City Hall to the Central District and having it be not just a City Hall, but kind of a campus and maybe a civic gathering place as well. Um, but I would love to see that sort of Heritage Square idea built into whatever then comes next at the mm-hmm. current City Hall site. Um, and I, I do want to keep and continue to develop relationships with our other taxing districts. Um, got a meeting with the library folks on the books in January and, yeah. you know, obviously want to talk with everybody. Um, we've had regular meetings with the Ben Parks board members, like a small group of us yeah. every month. That's been great. Um, just to talk about shared issues, you know, explore with them if they can help with any safe parking, you know, and what can we do with any issues they're having in parks. It's been great. So I think just continuing to develop those types of relationships so that when we have these kind of joint opportunities in the future, we can all work together really well. Yeah. Parks seems like they're in a position where they're being a lot more dynamic, a lot more Mm -hmm. open. Um, it's a good opportunity. Oh my gosh, Aaron, it's not on the list, but we, we have to ask because it's, the issue of all issues that oh, no. never goes away. <laughs> I know what it Can is. Can you guess? Can you get just guess, Mel? It's up there with Ma- guess. continuing projects like Heritage Square. It's, just guess. it's not Mirror Pond. Oh, is it? oh <laughs> here we are. Ding, We're back. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, I mean, we know that there's a Fish Passage Committee out there mm-hmm. trying to kind of come up with a solution to recommend non-binding. Um, yeah, non-binding yes. recommendation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, this is how our governments work, all up and down the line, as we know. Um, yeah. From January 6th to Mirror Pond. Yes. Um, oh, man. Do you have thoughts about that project? And I mean, and just in terms of like, you know, where's your gut on it? Yeah. I mean, I think Fish Passage is really important. And I think we're seeing the trend, right, with the Klamath dams coming out mm-hmm. and the idea that our waterways have been seriously impacted by all those uses. And maybe we need to consider a different way. So um, Mayor Goodman Campbell has been deeply involved with that and um, has kind of been reporting out to us as the process has been going. It sounds like now is a is a time where they've reached a point where they can present something to the public and get some feedback, which I think is important. But at some point, I'll, you know, I don't know what decision I or anybody else would make. At some point, a decision needs to be made so sure. that we kind of figure out what's happening next. Yeah. Um, and maybe that means nothing's happening or Something is, but um, I think there's only so many rounds of public input you can do before you kind of have to say what what it is you think should happen. How so. many rounds are, are enough? I mean, if this there's been public input since before I arrived in Bend. It's like, yeah. wasn't yeah. there a very significant a, number of surveys saga. in 2015? Yeah, it's a saga. <laughs> we, we've kind of all, I mean, as this thing's becoming and bogged down and, and being mayor, maybe this is going to get resolved under your term, but... Um, Putting it to the public and letting the public vote actually yeah, on it has mm-hmm. been, you know, something that we've advocated for a long time because as it's gotten bogged down in backroom deals and private public partnerships mm-hmm. and different civic organizations doing what they feel they need to do, which may not jive with what others need to do, that you really need clear, you know, a point of clarity outside mm-hmm. of poll taking and, you know, t- take the ultimate poll, put it on a ballot and mm-hmm. let 
let the community tell you exactly what I, I trust that they're going to take a uh, more natural scientific based solution, which is what we've kind of mm-hmm. advocated for. Yeah. It'd probably resolve it pretty quick, but maybe yeah. I'm being idealistic. I don't know. I mean, for me, the 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 core of it is, you know, if we're if we're spending public money, it needs to be for a good reason. Right. It needs to be stewarded and it needs to be accountable. So that's the kind of the lens I take into any conversation mm-hmm. about that. Right. I mean, and you know, t- just from the city hall project, town square, all of these things, it's like, where who's going to pay for these? You know, mm-hmm. that's the perennial question when you you really you know. The, the bulk of our conversation today has been about kind of like higher needs, like basic mm-hmm. needs, like keeping people from dying on the streets, right. you know, and at some point that that became more important, I feel like in some in the Ben conversation. Right. So how do we go back to these, you know, these things are still important, but, you know, maybe less uh dire. Less in urgent. The yeah. I mean, but, you know, maybe um, habitat is not not should be higher in the in the right yeah. scheme i mean that's all yeah it's all kind of balancing that and um you know understanding the kind of iconic nature of the pond and, and what it means for bend and i think yeah i just come back to like at some point let's 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 pick a path yeah. <laughs> let's decide whatever method we <laughs> right, use right um and kind of move forward from there so yeah my understanding is if if you just wait long enough mother nature turns it back into a river anyway it's option. getting deeper and go. deeper in the middle right, you and get it's the channel and you silting get the on the sides i think right i don't want to falsely attribute it to ryan houston but he said aaron if they just do nothing Mother Nature will take it back. So yeah, yeah, I mean, same with all of these things that us humans are doing. Mother True. Nature will get to bat last, no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Melanie, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think is important for our readers to know about you or listeners. about the city? Or our listeners, our listeners, um, our readers. <laughs> no, I mean, I I'm just really I'm I'm excited and I'm I'm optimistic. You know, we've been through um, some really hard years for our community for our city. And we're coming out of it pretty well. We're, we're maybe heading into another recession. We might have some other hard times coming, but I think we have so much potential and opportunity here and that we're really well poised to take advantage of it. And that, you know, our community, I, I'm hoping in the next couple of years, we really turn the corner on the community, understanding why and how people end up without a home and what we can do to help them. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys saw the, the Shell station that was giving out propane yesterday on yeah. the longest, coldest day. Wow. I mean, yeah. just, un, I don't, unprompted, we didn't ask them to do that. And they put up a big sign and, and that was saving lives and that was helping people in our community. And I think we have a lot of people that want to do good and we can take advantage of that and really come together on some of these really thorny problems. And we're on a good trajectory. So I want to keep us going that way. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. (laughs) Sure.